Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. And so we begin part three of our series in Genesis, a book written 3,500 years ago, uh, the second longest book in the Bible next to Jeremiah, and it spans a 2,000-year history, and it gives us an explanation of very important things. And the list of things, is it gives us an explanation of creation, of life, of sex, of gender, of marriage, of morality, of work, of good and evil, of purpose, why we're alive, why we're on the planet, of sin and of salvation, all explained here, and the origin of nations as well, including the origin of the nation of Israel. And we've been looking at it, and it is a powerful book. Ken Ham wrote a book called The Lie, Evolution, and he said this, every single biblical doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly, ultimately has its basis in the book of Genesis. Very important thing. And so we need to study Genesis. But here's the thing. We don't just study it and go, hmm. We have to study it and believe. We have to embrace it because everything hinges on the book of Genesis. If you don't believe Genesis, hear me this morning. If you don't believe Genesis and you go away and you say, well, that's his opinion, then you really have no foundation for the rest of your faith. You actually can't take New Testament verses and stand on them unless you're standing on the foundation. It's like trying to build a house on the sand. It's sooner or later going to fall down. You need a rock-solid foundation. And uh, Dr. Henry Morris wrote a book called The Genesis Record. In it, he says, the Bible as a whole would surely be considered, even by those who don't believe in its inspiration, as the book that has exerted the greatest influence on history of any book ever produced. I'd agree with that. The Bible, however is actually a compilation of many books, and the book of Genesis is the foundation of them all. Notice what he says. Genesis is important not only as history of man's origin, but also as a prophecy of man's future. And you can view it as a myth, something that's in the beginning. We don't believe that stuff anymore, but you need to realize it's your foundation, and it speaks to your future, and it speaks to your faith. And we need to recognize as we read Genesis who God is, the awe of God, especially in creation. I love what uh, Charles Pfeiffer in the Wycliffe Bible Commentary said on the Old Testament. He says, men of science reveal that our galaxy contains more than 100 billion stars and that our sun is 150 trillion miles from the center of our galaxy. This is obviously American written, so it speaks in miles. He says, our galaxy is one of a small cluster of 19 galaxies, the nearest of which is 30 million light years from us. If you want to know what that is, it's 150 million trillion miles. He says, our research scientists, by using powerful telescopes, have made reason to be sure that there are more than a billion galaxies. He goes on to say, they estimate the number of stars in these galaxies as close to 100 quintillion. The candle power of one of the galaxies is equal to that of 400 million suns. Not 400 suns, 400 million suns. 
as a man looks on this vast creation and compares what he sees with the inspired writer's account of its origin, his heart must be filled with awe. I trust your hearts are filled with awe as we go for this book, uh, go through this book rather than filled with skepticism as we go through this book. A couple more quotes here. Christian, the Christian author Ted uh, Decker wrote a book called Blink, and uh, he, he speaks about the logic here of our belief. He says, I believe in God because only an idiot can look at the complex balance of nature and believe that it has not been designed. Believe it or not, but some people still believe that a watch can make itself out of sand if you just give it enough time. That's what they call evolution. And you wonder why I'm cynical. From my point of view, you have to be a fool not to be cynical. Eric McTaxis, a wonderful author, he says, if God is God, he's the God of reality, facts, science, and history. Isn't that true? Can't just be God of, and then we've got science. No, he's the God of everything. And I love what Malcolm Muggeridge said. He said, there's far more truth in the book of Genesis than in quantum theory. What is quantum theory? That's the behavior of subatomic sub particles. He believes there's more truth in Genesis than the behavior of subatomic particles. I believe God is in everything, and we need to embrace him and believe in him and not be swayed by popular opinion. I'm amazed how people get their opinions from CNN, and then they watch Sky, and then they watch CBS, and they think they've got a balanced opinion. No, read your Bible, read some books on creation. Don't take evolution as a fact. It is still a theory, but it is so quickly embraced because it offers an alternative and an excuse to be accountable to God. We're going to look at 31 verses this morning. That's less than 49 we looked at last week. But we're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 and into the beginning of chapter 5. Are you ready? Let's read a couple of verses as we kick off this morning. The Bible says that Adam made love to his wife Eve. I like that, uh, that, that this translation says he made love to her because sex is not just a physical action. It is an expression of love between a husband and wife. And she became pregnant and she gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth the man. Here's the first replication of human beings. And it says this, notice verse 2, later. I want you to circle that word if you've got your book there, because we don't know what that means. You know, you immediately think, I oh, will she had him like two years later, because we space our kids out like that, or three years later. But it could have been a long gap. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. One was a herder, one was a farmer. In the course of time, interesting phrase, in the course of time, we don't know how long that was, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Why don't you circle the words in your book, an offering, because people say that offerings are, uh, you know, not something we should do. Here before the law, we see offerings. And it says, Abel also brought an offering. Notice, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Interestingly, let's pause for a moment. Leviticus 3 and 4 are the first time we read about fat portions being asked for by God, but here he somehow knew already what he had to do in terms of atoning for sin by shedding blood. And I'll explain in a moment. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Now notice this. If you do what is right. In other words, if you follow God's instructions, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, watch this, sin. And this is the first mention of sin in the Bible. Circle the word there, sin, watch this, is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Important phrase there, it desires to have you. Do you know that every day you wake up and go to work and walk around and do business and come to church and whatever you do, sin is crouching at your door and wants to have you, but you must rule over it. I get so annoyed with churches who have uh, signs and posters up, signs, wonders, miracles, deliverance, and then people get prayed for to deliver them from sin. No, sin will be crouching at your door until you die. You must rule over it. How? Through the word and through prayer and through determination. And anyone who promises you that if you give offerings and you come forward for prayer that you can get that taken away is lying to you. Is creating false hope in your mind and teaching heresy. We will face sin until we die, sadly, because sin entered through Adam and Eve. Now, notice here, He's, here we see acceptance, we see right and wrong, or acceptance and rejection, right and wrong. We see man's desires versus God's will, and uh, they must have been told by God to offer blood and an offering of an animal as atonement for their sins. Otherwise, the Lord couldn't say to Cain, if you do what is right. You see, the problem here is we find the first uh, human being after Adam and Eve choosing to use his own idea about how to approach God and life. And God is not like us, you know. You get a gift at Christmas, you're like, I don't like it. Oh, I like it. No, God's not like that. He doesn't, I didn't like that. Oh, I like that. He had told them what to do. And when God tells you what to do, you can't come up with your own ideas about how to approach him. That's why, and I'll talk about it in a moment, that's why you can't come up with your own religion, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how peaceful you are, no matter if you sit cross-legged and you hum and you do all sorts of stuff and you feel it one with nature, it's not God's way. God has a way. And here the foundation is in the Bible. You don't even have to wait till you get to the New Testament. You just have to find out what God's way is from the book of Genesis. And so here they were told to do something. Now, interesting thing here is Cain's name means to acquire. So Cain was after getting, not giving. And, and Abel's name is fleeting breath. Well, surely he didn't live that long, and his life was a fleeting breath. And so here's, my, here's a point here. Before I get into this, I want to unpack this a little bit. Here's my point here. The first family of humans here that we see in, on the planet had issues. The very first family. There was no political problems. There was no racism. There was no economic issues. The first family by number three and four had issues. So when your marriage has issues, don't think you're unusual. Sin is crouching at the door. You must rule over it and protect your family because God is still into family. Are you with me? Now to explain what... Abel did and why he pleased God. We read Hebrews 11 and verse 4. You can read on the screen with me. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Why did he do it by faith? This is very important this morning. Don't miss this. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke of his offerings 
and by faith. Are you getting it? Abel still speaks even though he is dead. You see, what a lot of people think faith is, is just believing. And you, you, even Disneyland will teach you to believe. All the pop singers will tell you, just believe. No, 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 that's being hopeful. That's having optimism. Faith is believing what God said is true and right. So when God says something and you say, man, it's hard. I, I can't understand it, but I believe it's true and right and I'll obey it. That's true faith. Not, I believe, I believe. I see a BM, it's mine. I declare it. No, you're an idiot. Someone smack him. We jump on this stuff and we jump on charismatic preachers on the internet and it sounds so cool and it sounds so dynamic, but it's nonsense. Faith is simply believing that what God said is true and doing it. And Abel said, God, you asked for my flocks, the fat portions and the best. I obey you. Cain says, no, don't be ridiculous, man. I'm going to give God what I think. God's a God of love, and God will accept me. Well, he didn't get accepted. And we've got to understand how these foundations teach us everything about how we're living right now. If we grasp these principles, we will uh, live successfully and fruitfully. Now, there are three areas here in this text that I want to unpack just briefly that modern people today follow. And the first one is in respect to our attitudes. Modern people today have got the same attitude as Cain. I will do and behave the way I think I should, but they don't realize that God is looking for a certain attitude from them. And so they think if they develop their own attitude because they're so wise in their own eyes, God will accept them. But it doesn't work like that. You've got to come to God based on his attitude. And, um, and so we come with all sorts of of stuff, but God says, no, you've got to do what I ask you. You've got to worship me in spirit and in truth, not according to what you think. You can't create a religion that is your own formula. You've got to hear what I said and then follow it. Are you with me? Charles Pfeiffer in the Wycliffe Bible Commentary says this. He says, Jehovah uttered a stiff warning, urging the sinner to control his temper and beware lest a crouching beast, which is, which is sin, spring upon him and devour him. The danger was real. The deadly beast was even at that moment ready to overpower him. God's word demanded instant action and strong effort to repulse the would-be conqueror. Here you can see the danger of sin is highlighted by God and the judgment of God comes on him. And we need to recognize that we can't just come to God with any old attitude. We've got to come with the right attitude to God, and we've got to approach him on the basis of what he says. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in the book, The Cost of Discipleship, he says, when all is said and done, the life of faith is nothing if not an unending struggle of the spirit with every available weapon against the flesh. You can't treat this thing as casual. Yeah, I'll come to church when I want to. I'll read the Bible if I want to. I don't believe that. No, I'm not going to give a tithe. Where does the time is give a tithe? And you come with your own attitude. It's going to get you in trouble. You will not last as a Christian. And we've been at this for 40 years, in ministry that is. We've been in the ministry for 40 years. I can tell you, people, those attitudes, they don't become stronger. They eventually drift out and form their own opinions. You've got to hold to the truth of Scripture so we need to check our attitude when we approach God. The second thing is, in respect to Jesus Christ as the offering for our sins, 
We've got to recognize that there's only one offering for our sins, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many prophets, not many ways we can atone for our sins. We can't come with our own righteousness. Abel, Cain brought his, the fruit of the ground. I grew this. I'm sure you'll like it. It's, look how plump these apples are. Have you ever seen carrots this big? I mean, these cucumbers and these pumpkins, Lord, these are award-winning. God says, even though they look incredible, they're not what I'm asking for. There's only one thing that will atone for sin, that's blood. So as Christians, when we come with all sorts of ideas, God says, that's very sweet of you. You might even write out a big check for me, but I'm asking you to approach me on the basis of my son's blood. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you with me? And so we've got to believe what God says, and then we've got to act on it, and that's called faith. Faith says, Lord, you sent your only son. He is the only one who atones for sin. I believe in him and receive him and follow him. God says, I accept that. And you can come with your works, but your works are your own way, if you like. Notice this interesting verse here. Are you all with me this morning? Is this helping you? Jude verse 11, because Jude is just one chapter. Jude speaking to people in church. He says this, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Balaam rushed off to money. And they've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. He's speaking of three things. You'll notice in this text, he says Cain's way. Cain chose his own way. Balaam chased after money. And Korah was a leader, but he was rebellious. He's basically pointing to the three main sins in the Christian world. You either choose your own version of Christianity. You chase after money and think it's all about prosperity. And, and God is just there to bless you like Santa Claus. Or you go after rebellion where I'll do it my way. And so we've got to be careful because Cain's way is not accepted by God. And just by the way here, you can clap if you wanted to. Let me, let me get to the third one here. I've got so much in my head, I'll unpack it correctly this morning. Are you, are you receiving something in this? I mean, this, this, is, this is study, but I think it will give you a tremendous grounding. Uh, number three, the third thing that modern people do is in respect to tithes and offerings. What the modern church is guilty of today, especially because of the internet, is we give what we want to give, not what God tells us to give. See, Cain brought vegetables. He thought, I'll do it my way. God says, no, no, I want you to give tithes, and I want you to give offerings. They go on the internet, they go, that's Old Testament. We don't, we don't believe in the Old Testament. Can I just remind you that these offerings were before the law was even brought about? See, people tell me, tithes are Old Testament. They're under the law, and Jesus set us free from the law. No, 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 this is before the law. So here's the thing. We approach God on the basis of Jesus Christ for our sins, and then we give tithes and offerings in order to sustain and develop the church, which is God's vehicle for salvation. And when you do, you end up with a church like this, strong, healthy, growing, moving forward, feeding the poor, paying staff, and strong in the things of God. No church can just be strong if people have all their own ideas, doctrinally and financially. And so we must be careful that we don't concoct our own way of giving, but we give what the Bible says by faith, and then we trust God to bless us. Are you with me? Genesis is the foundation for even our New Testament church practices. Let's read on. Are you good with me? Genesis 4 and verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and 
killed him. Let's just look at that one verse on its own. Isn't it interesting that Abel had done nothing to Cain? It was God that didn't show favor. So he should have taken it up with God. You know, like Adam and Eve. The Lord should have asked Cain, where are you? I'm sulking. Why are you sulking? I'm peeved. Why? You love my brother more than me. No, he went out and he actually killed Abel. Do you know that a lot of the time, the things that happen in your life, they don't just happen because people are angry at their own husbands or wives. They're angry at what you represent. They find that what you represent irks them. And so they have to try and destroy it. I love what this uh, guy, he's a speaker and author, Dowdy Minor Macaria said. He said, Cain killed Abel, not because Abel wronged him or fought with him, but it was because Cain couldn't stand the favor of God in Abel's life. Sometimes you may wonder why people talk behind your back, why they hate you, why they do the things they do to you. It is not that you have a problem, it's because they can't stand the favor of God in your life. Don't lower the favor of God and your belief system in order to accommodate people. Just live with the fact that they might want to get at you and try and shrug it off in Jesus' name. That's the nature of human beings right from the beginning of time. And, and I want to say this repeatedly through this message today. Stop blaming problems on social and political issues. They are human issues, and it's a very simple word. It's S-I-N, sin. And guess what is in the middle of S-I-N? I. Genesis 4 and verse 9. Are you, are you there? Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he lies. I don't know, he replied. Then he asks us, am I my brother's keeper? Now, what a shameful, arrogant, and sarcastic answer. Can I just remind you before we go any further, this, a lot of people say, you see, Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Because we are our brother's keeper, and then they come with socialism. This is not a socialistic answer. God is asking about his immediate family that he should know about and care about. He's not asking about a political issue or a political system. Don't turn it into something the Bible isn't talking about. Are you with me? It says, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, this is interesting. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now notice this, Adam and Eve were cursed. It says, now you are under a curse. He's already under a curse. And driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. Here's the first time blood, by the way, is mentioned in the Bible, from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So it's like a double curse. I believe that people who commit murder can never, ever shake it off, even if you get pardoned. Something happens to you because you've taken life, and God values life. When uh, it says, then Cain said to the Lord, notice this, my punishment is more than I can bear. Isn't it interesting that he's more aware of his punishment than what he's done? And you find a victim mentality right here in the book of Genesis. He murders someone, but then he's worried about how it's going to affect him. Instead of saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I had a fit of temper. I've killed my own brother. The Lord says today, 
Oh, Cain says, today you are driving, notice this, me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wonder on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Can you see how me-focused you can be? Sin and murder, people are me-focused. They, they can't admit it. But the Lord said to him, not so. Now we find mercy here. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times. You see, society has to deal with sin, but God is the one who takes revenge. And we can't take revenge. And it says, then the Lord put a mark on Cain. It's like a mercy sign so that no one who found him would kill him. And so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He's no longer in the garden, but he was in God's presence. Now he's even lost God's presence here. And Cain let sin get the bedroom. He let sin master him, master his attitude and his emotions. And I want you to notice here, it's only one generation down the road and murder enters the planet. I'm so tired of people telling me that murder, crime, and poverty are caused by social reasons. No, they're not. They're caused by this. Your heart needs to be born again and changed. We have a beginning. We have a beginning when we're born, but we're born in sin because we come from Adam and Eve. And the way to deal with that sin is to be born again, a new beginning. And then when we walk with Jesus, sin is restrained in our lives. Our conscience is awakened. We're aware and we live a righteous life. And so sin doesn't rule us. We may fall into sin, but sin doesn't rule us because we're living for God. You can make political slogans, pass laws. You can find people, lock them up, but you can't stop sin. That's why for the rest of our history, we will have racism. People will still treat black people badly. You can bring as many laws as you like. Why? Because of the heart. You can bring everybody into equality, socially and financially. You will still have problems because that's not the answer. The answer is sin. If in the second lot of people on the planet that happened, guess what? We're way down the road now. Are you with me? And this explains to us why God finally sent a flood because there was self-will and, 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 and self-desire. And actually the Bible says here, and this is interesting, if you're an atheist or you believe in evolution, then why is it wrong to murder someone? I mean, if they just an evolved frog or a, they came from a monkey, you know, you know, they shoot horses, don't they? <laughs> Horse breaks his leg, or pow. Oh, very sad, dear, dear, move on. No, no, human beings, there's something in us. And the Bible actually says that what Cain did was evil. See, we, we want to come with political good and bad, and we want to determine wokeness, and we can't say that, and, and we're trying to create this planet by rejecting Genesis. Now, if you go back to Genesis, you understand everything that's happening. Then you approach it from a completely different point of view. Are you with me? Notice here what it says, and we read from 1 John 3. It says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. In other words, you must rule over yourself. It's up to us. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were what? Evil and his brother's were righteous. Can I just say this? Just want to make a point here. If it says his own actions were evil, when he offered what he thought was good to God, he was actually being evil, because evil is the opposite of doing right. God said, I want you to give tithes and offerings. I want you to offer blood. I want you to offer my only son, Jesus, as the atonement for your son. Yeah, but I believe in Eastern religion, and I also believe we came from the snails, and I also believe, you know, and I believe we won with nature. When I'm on the golf course, I feel God. You're evil. You're not just a bit misguided. You're not just a little bit different. You are evil. 
Are you getting the point? That's why we have to read Scripture, because our minds can go so far off track. We have to obey God and honor Him. Then our lives come into blessing. Billy Graham said this, and I think it's a powerful saying. He said, the world thinks peace would come if everyone made a lot of money, but people haven't found peace in possessions. They have thought the world would have peace if all arms were destroyed, yet Cain killed Abel without a handgun. It is man's heart that is the problem. That's why, if someone wanted to clap, let them all clap. This, this is why I keep making this point. You, you need to understand when I speak to you why I say what I say. When you start focusing on the wrong fruit, you don't deal with the right root. So all the activism that goes on, all of you on TikTok and all these silly platforms, dancing and pulling off your clothes and changing into something else and then climbing through doors and women with dresses, and then they've got something else on. All this nonsense is all about me, 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 look at me, check what me is, accept me. Weird people trying to get acceptance. Why? We've gone so far away, and we think by changing everything and making it woke, we're going to have this happy planet. No, you can't get rid of sin in the heart. Are you getting me? Don't miss what I'm saying here. We try and find the wrong solution to the problem. The solution lies in the gospel. Jesus Christ, his atonement for our sins, and us walking and living in him. Don't waste your time chasing the wrong things. Now, let me get back here. Murder is wrong and is evil. How many of you agree? And yet, we will murder babies in the womb. This is, let me just remind you, science tells us evolution is true. Science also tells us that when a baby's in the womb, it's not a baby yet until it's born. To heck with science. Did you know that a baby's heart in a woman's womb starts beating between 30 and 35 days? Did you know that most women don't even know they're pregnant at 30 to 35 days? Because they've barely skipped their, their menstrual cycle. I think I might be. I'm feeling a bit tender. I know. They don't even have been like, doom, 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 doom. don't deceive yourself and stop talking about this like it's progressive. The church needs to get with the program. We need to move with the times. No, no, we're anchored to the rock. We don't move with the times. People who move with the times are, are building their house on sand. And we've got to believe that human life is not ours to take and that if we do take it, we are evil. And here we see murder. Today we're doing it on a full scale and we're using science to justify it. Very important that we, we, we realize this. Here in the beginning of time we find a murderer and we find a martyr. Francis Schaeffer said this concerning life. He was a, the late Francis Schaeffer, brilliant American theologian, lived in Switzerland and ran a, like a commune for Christians. When I was a new Christian, got to know his works and read some of his books. He said, if man is not made in the image of God, nothing then stands in the way of inhumanity. There is no good reason why mankind should be perceived as special. Human life is cheapened. Isn't that true? He says, we can see this in many of the major issues being debated in our society today. Man is a depraved sinner that is capable of dastardly things. And when we commit murder, the blood of a human being cries out from the ground, and God hears it. You can hide a murder, but God sees it. God knows, and it's a very serious thing, and sin lurks in our hearts. Let me just tell you, in South Africa, 
There are 76 murders and 115 rapes per day. Let me read that again. 76 murders and 115 rapes per day. That is 27,700 murders a year. Listen to me. 27,700 murders a year in South Africa. In America, that has seven times our population, they only have 24,500 murders a year. Something is wrong. We are too free. We need some law to harness sin. I mean, in fact, I, I don't know, people are constantly talking on the news about all sorts. Uh, my, this is my big question. Not where is the electricity? That's a good question. I'm wondering, where are the police? Because the only time I see police is when they're looking for your license disc. They are never dealing with true sinners. Just Saturday night, uh, Pastor Pauletta and Kogi, they went down to, uh, Friday night, they went down to Belito. They were down at the campuses there as part of what they do. Kogi went to oversee. They spoke down at Belito at Sisters. When they left Sisters, a guy drove right through the robot where the, the lights were out, didn't even hesitate, smashed their car, spun it around. They're aching this morning. Thank God nothing happened to them. And along came a guy and defended them and told the guy, hey, you keep quiet. You stop saying this. You drove through. I was behind them. I saw you. No, I did nothing wrong. And then he got in his car and he drove off. No license disc. And then phones Kogi, 2.30 in the morning. We need police to go knock on his door. Come. You see, you can't restrain sin with talking. Even God punished Cain. Sent him away somewhere. We've got to deal with crime, but we think that a free society is so free. You know, it's, if you let this run rampant, you've got chaos. You've got filth in the streets. You've, people were protesting this week up and down South Road. They were marching for their rights, and when they left, the entire place was filled with plastic bags and filth from all the water bottles. They were given free water. They had the decency to throw that in the bin. We need regulation because the nature of this requires regulation. Don't see it as a negative thing. Don't see it as a vestige of apartheid. We need law in South Africa if we're going to have a just and fair society. And I think it's an indictment on us that we have so many murders. Malcolm Muggeridge said this, and I want you to think about this. He was a British journalist, very thoughtful man. He said this. He said, the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable reality, but at the same time, the most intellectually resisted fact. You can look at people and you can see man is depraved. But guess what? Intellectuals will sit around smoking cigars and having sherry and tell you, no, it's not true. It's poverty. It's social upbringing. It's not nature. It's nurture. No, the Bible tells us the truth about ourselves and what we're capable of. Os Guinness, the British author. Are you receiving something today? The British author said this, and uh, this is the first Christian author I ever read when I got saved. He's written numerous books. If you get a chance to read his books, he's outstanding. He said this, American views today are weak, confused, and divided. On one side, many progressive liberals still think that we humans are essentially good and getting better. On the other side, many postmoderns actually think it's worse to judge evil than to do evil. Isn't that the truth? And in the middle, many ordinary folk plaster life with rainbows and smile buttons and wander through life on the basis of sentiment and cliches. We need biblical convictions. Our world is confused. 
It doesn't know who man is, doesn't know who God is, and we need to get back to Genesis. Now let's move on. Now we come in a moment to reading about Adam and Eve's children, and only three of them are mentioned, Cain, Abel, and Seth, and, and here's always the issue before I read this. They, they say, well, you know, Cain went and got married. Where did he get his wife? And they think they've stumped you. No, no. During the time of uh, Adam and Eve, Adam lived, by the way, 930 years. And the Bible tells us, we'll read it in a moment, he had many sons and daughters. Jewish tradition, say, I think he said 32, uh, 33 sons and 32 daughters. So a lot of people, by the time Adam and Eve, by the time Adam died, there must have been 32,000 people on the, on the planet. So it's, so, and when it says Cain built a city, don't they? He built a city? Oh, I've got you, Christian. No, it means a walled settlement as opposed to a tent. Anyone think of Afghanistan? Those mud houses with a little mud wall? That's what it's talking about. The Hebrew word there does not mean a city like New York City or Johannesburg City. Okay. So don't think you've been stumped. They intermarried until the Lord in Moses' time said you can't intermarry. In fact, Abraham married his sister. Sarah was his half-sister, so he only told a half-lie. No, <laughs> You need to understand this stuff, otherwise you get confused, eh? And, uh, and Isaac married Rebecca, who was uh, his cousin's daughter. Jacob married his cousins, Rachel and Leah. And Moses' father married his father's sister, or Moses' aunt. So this was common until God said, no, I think for health reasons you can't intermarry anymore. Because the gene pool was very good. So if you think people have stumped you on Cain's wife, they've missed it. So let's read Genesis 4 and verse 17. Because I've only got two minutes, I've got to read very quickly. Genesis 4 and verse 17, now this is many years later, Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, there's that word, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad was the father of Mahujil, and Mahujil was the father of Methuselah. Some good baby names here. And Methuselah was the father of Lamech. Now we come to something interesting. We're only seven generations down the road. Lamech married two women. And there the trouble started. <laughs> Polygamy. Hey, isn't it amazing how man doesn't get better? Evolution says man's getting better. The Bible tells us he started at this awesome place in the garden and he just got worse. Until it was so bad there was a flood. Totally opposite. You've got to decide what you believe. Now we read on. Uh, of his two wives, one named Ada and the other named Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabel. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock, farming. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. So music, seven generations later, music and musical instruments and wind instruments were developed. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, watch this, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. So if you believe in the bronze or the iron age, when we were walking around in skins grunting, this doesn't tell us that. This tells us that man very quickly was very intelligent. He built buildings, developed instruments, farmed, and eventually we read in Babel, they built a tower. So, so I want you to see the difference the Bible teaches versus what you're being taught, or kids are being taught in school. Tubal Cain's sister was Naamah. Now, this is very important. I have to spend time here. Verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, and this is kind of poetic if you read it. It's like a poem in the Hebrew. It doesn't make sense in English because in Hebrew the words rhyme. But I want you to notice what he says. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, they're going, yeah, we know we're your wives. <laughs> Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, 
a young man for injuring me. It's the same person. He didn't kill two people. It's one person. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. You know what he's basically saying? He's claiming that he has the right to take vengeance on anyone who offends him. So people are very easily offended, often want to take their own vengeance, but God says, leave it to me. I'll deal with Cain, I'll deal with Lamech, and don't boast about your violence. I mean, you know, in our society today, people boast. You're talking to me. Come say that here. Let's take it outside. I mean, you know, that's common. Christians should not be like that. We, we shouldn't boast about violence, and we shouldn't boast about it in our homes. Listen to me, you kids. You see that oak next door? Parks his car on the lawn again. Don't talk like that. You're a Christian. You don't do that. You go speak to him. If he doesn't listen, you speak to him again. If he doesn't listen, you take it to the body corporate. You contact the police. They know where. But you, 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 and then you leave it and you say, Lord Jesus, Father in Jesus' name. It's the right way to pray. Would you deal with the situation? Watch God. Watch God. So it only took seven generations. You can see the moral decay. Listen to me. There was technological development, but moral decay. And that's exactly what we've got today. We've never been more technologically developed, but we've never been more morally confused and depraved. And here Lamech is defiant. We see the first picture of violence coming into the world and murder and violence. That's why God destroyed the world by a flood, because every inclination, the Bible says in Genesis 6, every inclination of the man's heart, of a man's heart, was evil all the time. Do you know how much violence we have in South Africa? Let me just remind you, with all our silly slogans, what people don't need is slogans. We need salvation. We need salvation. Violence is on the rise, not only in South Africa, but also in America. But South Africa, 13,000 women were assaulted in 2022. Listen, that is one every two hours. And you can hold signs up, you can protest on the street, you can have slogans, you can have 16 days of activism, but it continues because you've got to deal with the heart. Salvation is the answer, not slogans. And if you're a Christian, I want to say to you, yeah, you can clap. What is wrong with this clock? I need to pray, sun stands still. Listen, I want to say to you as Christians, I don't believe Christians should be on TikTok and on social media and have part of their brief activism. Because every person sees injustice. You're not so righteous that you're the only one. We all see the injustice in China and everywhere else and racism and inequality and poverty and oppression and all that stuff. Don't think you're the only righteous one. Rather change your own heart. You know, people think of changing the world. No, no, start by changing yourself. Because if everybody did that, we'd live in an amazing world. And Christians shouldn't be drawn into the causes of the world which have the wrong solutions. They should go to God in prayer and live out faith and obedience to God. Can you say, amen, I can see that went down like a lead balloon, but I'm going to say it anyway. Quickly, I'm nearly done. Genesis 4 and verse 25, Adam made love to his wife again and gave birth to a son named Seth, saying, God has granted me, watch this, another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name 
of the Lord. Call on Jehovah. Seth was the, uh, sorry, uh, Enoch was the first one to have praise and worship and gatherings and so on. And, and here we see Eve thought that Seth would be the replacement because God told her, from you is going to come a seed. It's going to crush the devil's head. She probably thought it was Cain. But now Seth comes along. She thinks it's going to be Seth, not realizing that the Lord is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see from this point that how the nations of the world developed. The good line coming from, from, uh, from uh, Seth and the bad line coming from Cain. And we'll look at that next week. But just last year, going into Genesis 5, I'll read a few verses and we'll be done. Have you been helped today? This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, watch this, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. Isn't it interesting that the Bible decides to reiterate that? He's talking about the division of nations, but he reiterates his intention. And then he says he named them mankind when they were created. Just let me pause here. If you're into the whole feminist thing, God called it mankind. Just get over yourself. And if your husband is oppressive, come for counseling and let, them, let us deal with him biblically. But don't get caught up in causes. And don't get up in what's politically correct. We're obsessed with it. Call them mankind. Finish and claw. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. It's a, obviously a summary again. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years. And here, and had other sons and daughters, that's where Cain got his wife. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. Gosh, those long lifespans before the flood. And we'll talk about that when we deal with the flood. So here we find God dealing with the, the line of families, because God has always worked with family. He starts with Adam and Eve as the first family. You see dysfunction, and then God starts with Noah, another family. God always believes in family, and so should you and I even when there are problems and there are challenges. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.